we we're just seeing the US CPI print coming through. I'm not sure if it changes things too much, but it certainly adds a little bit of weight to the idea that the Fed could raise in November. We've got the ECB meeting in the session ahead, and we look at trades around that. And we also preview a massive week of, of central bank shindigs with the Federal Reserve, the Bank of England, Bank of Japan, Swiss National Bank, amongst others coming through. We look at trades around the Aussie dollar, Euro CNH, the offshore yuan, and energy amongst other trades as well. It's time to get in front of the screens. This is the trade-off. Well, hi there. My name is Chris West. I'm head of research here at Pepperstone. And then we join in two seconds by Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. And we're going to be discussing and dissecting all the various factors that are going on in the market. So I make sense of the crazy world that is markets and look at where the kind of risk reward is in this market. Mr. Blake Morrow, would you come into the program? I am calling today from Casa Western. Uh, trying to mix it up a little bit, um, you know, keep, 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 keep everyone on their toes a little bit. But how are you doing, my good man? Uh, doing great. You know, we're, we're, I think we've we finally hit the uh, the the peak of heat here in uh, where I live, and and we're finally getting out of the triple digits. So it's not yeah. a bad thing. Yeah, nice one. Well, we've got the uh, the El Nino coming to uh, coming to Australia, and uh, I'm sure the farmers out there are not going to be too happy about that. But uh, I think they're mostly destocked. But uh, we're looking for some drier climates in, in the session ahead. Talking about drier climates, and th th this market obviously is is pretty dull, isn't it? I mean, you know, you're seeing very low realised vol in in equity markets. We're sort of caught in a, in a bit of a range in the S and P. We can talk about that. Um, fixed income volatility is pretty low. FX vols is, is well, I'd like it to be a little bit higher, and, and gold vols pretty low as well. But is this the um, yeah? Now we've got out for summer doldrums in North America. Is this is this the calm before the storm? Or is this just the calm? Yeah, well, it's hard to say. Let's let's hope it's not just calm. Let's hope it's just the calm before the storm as we have, you know, starting kicking off tomorrow, we have the ECB and then we have uh, many other central banks going into next week that we're going to be focused on. But it's interesting, uh, my European colleagues, whether you're talking about Ryan Littlestone, uh, who does the, you know, UK trade-off and uh, with Michael Brown or uh, my other, you know, just European colleagues, everybody's just kind of, says the European uh, hours are really quiet and they've been the quietest that we've seen in quite some time. And so I, I don't really know what to attribute it to. I always know that the week after the Labor Day holiday, which is this week, uh, you know, after traders get back, excuse me, which is last week, uh, it, it tends to be kind of quiet, but it tends to pick up a little bit. And we're just not seeing that right now. So I don't know, Chris, um, I, I'm, I'm thinking maybe everybody's uh, keeping their powder dry ahead of all of these central banks coming up starting tomorrow. Yeah, I don't think we're going to learn a huge amount, but we can talk about that in a second. So I'm really interested because at the end of the day, there are still going to be some trades around there. And I think that's kind of what, we, what we're going to look at, not just about managing the risk, but you know, is there is there some, some trades that we can work out? Um, so let's go into Topical Funder and assess those situations. Well, the first one up is the FOMC. Now, we've just seen the US CPI number coming through, Blake. I'm sure you uh, you and, and your community were, were all over that one. Um, on the core numbers, slightly hotter than expected, probably about eight basis points hotter than what the market's looking for. Um, you know, core services like Shelter, which is what the Fed look at very closely, came out at 53 basis points month for month. Core goods was negative 0.1%, which was slightly higher. Um, but yeah, if you look at the the three month annualized run rate on core, we're we're at two and two point four percent at the moment, down from three point one percent. So I, I, look, the way that I see that that CPI number is, it's not going to trouble the Fed. So it's not going to do 
anything whatsoever about raising rates uh, next week. The Fed are not going to raise rates. But they could indicate that, uh, that they may well do in, in November. So that's what people are trading is that November probability. Um, but yeah, we've seen the CPI numbers coming through. Uh, we get PPI numbers in the session ahead. We get non-farms. Next one, I think, is on the 6th of October. Uh, and yeah, we don't have an, an October FOMC meeting. But um, yeah, how, how, are you, how are you seeing that CPI print? Is it, is it, is it a game changer in any capacity for you? Um, you know, how, how are you seeing those probabilities? How do you, are the Fed done here? And, and what's the trade? Well, first of all, I'd, um, I'm, I'm going to say we're going to talk about inflation in a couple topics. Um, so I'm, oh, I think we're going to just talk a little bit more in depth about inflation, not only in the U.S., but globally. Uh, right. I, I would say that today's data didn't change the narrative at all, um, but I would say it is sticky. And that's that's the thing. And I, I think if you look ahead at the Fed, yeah, they're not going to move. They're going to pause. Uh, I think we've had a couple of uh, you, you you listen to a lot of economists, they think that, you know, the Fed's on the schedule right now, where they're just going to pause, you know, see what happens and then and then continue on. But that doesn't mean that that rates are done going higher. Um, so it doesn't change my real playbook for the FOMC, but it really changes my playbook, uh, or, or it, it, it really helps solidify my trading ideas around what's going to happen tomorrow, which mm. is the ECB, which we'll talk about here in a second. Yeah. And 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 uh, and how I want to play it because yeah. I still think that people underestimate the ability for the Fed to. They may be done raising rates, whether it's it, it's now already we're there or it's in November. I don't think the market is quite prepared for the rates to stay sustainably high for a long period of time, and I and I think that that we are going to. I think the CPI data that we got today, you know helps solidify that idea. And as long as the jobs market continues to stay strong, I don't yeah. see any reason why. No, that's an interesting one. So if when I'm looking at the Fed meeting next uh, next week, one of the things we're going to be looking at is the economic projections and, 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 and the dot plot projections. So I, I suspect they're going to keep the dot plots uh, unchanged. They're, they're called the, the median dot for, for this year at 5.6%, which gives them the optionality to, to hike. Um, where I think it could become interesting at the moment, yeah, for next year, they've got this idea that the the, uh, the dots could see 100 basis points of cuts to 4.6% by the next year. What they could do is to solidify that higher for longer mantra and actually raise that 4.6% dot up 25, 30 basis points or so. And that would give us a strong belief that the Fed are now really, really hell-bent on keeping it higher for longer. And I think that's where the dollar would move up again. Real rates would move up, and I think the NASDAQ would come under pressure. I don't think they're going to change it, but if they really want to reinforce the idea that they're, they're, that they're higher for longer, then they can tweak well, certain individuals can tweak, and we might get the median dots from 4.6% moving up a little bit higher. And I think that could really, you know, that, that could be something where we may see a little bit of volatility in, in a market that, that's probably not looking for it there. So yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly it. And I think I think that the what we have to just understand is higher for longer is going to be the mantra. How does the market interpret that? How does the market uh trade it? And that's what we're going to be looking towards, especially with the dollar. And what you're going to notice in this show. We are very, very dollar centric, or I should say, not dollar centric. We are very currency centric, mm. um, and so uh, that that, and I think it's going to play well into interest rate expectations. Speaking of interest rates, let's talk about the ECB, Chris, and let's go into tomorrow. Um, you know, I, I I asked, has the plan changed? Because uh, 
or this weekend, I, I, I always do a week ahead video and I just kind of plot out my week on the way I'm thinking. Um, but something came out interesting yesterday and it, it was a, it was an article from Reuters and Reuters, they, their, uh, the article said ECB crucial 2024 projections to put inflation above 3% sources say now it's always the sources and it's always a leak and it's always, it, it, I believe this is the way that central banks try to get out some messaging to, yeah. to you know, when you have a when you have a 50-50 and you don't want to surprise the market, you got, you know, people leaning, it could go either way. Yeah. I think the ECB releases this type of information out to the public so that uh, the market tends to lean into it. So th- th- there's less of a surprise, less of a less of a move if the ECB does raise rates. But the one thing that I want to uh, to highlight is, you know, there's probably there's there's one of two things that are going to happen. I think uh, I'd, I'd be surprised if one of these two things didn't happen. We're going to get a, a rate hike, uh, and then Christine Lagarde is going to tell tell the market basically we're going to keep rates and change. We're going to be data dependent. And that's, a dovish, that's, a, that's a dovish hike. Is it going to be a dovish hike? Yeah, do, basically we're one and done, or last one, last one and done, right? Yeah. Um, and that's that's the way I think the market's going to play out tomorrow morning. But we also could get a hawkish hold where, um, you know, we, 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 you know, the ECB keeps rates unchanged, but they paved the way and, 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 and basically, uh, you know, let the market know that, that there, there is another rate hike coming. Um, so with that being said, the way I have to, to play this, and I think the way that I'm thinking about it, and, and, and you can agree or disagree and jump in the comments down below yeah. and let us know how you want to play this is that, uh, and this has been my my thought process throughout the course of the week, but now it's solidified with that little news slip. And I'm sorry, Chris, I'm taking up a lot of time here, but you're coughing anyway, so I'm going to do this, a fav- doing you a favor. Nah, is that, you let the ECB, uh, you know, run the euro up. Hopefully the euro runs into like the 108, 108, 20, 30 level. And then um, I think you look to fade it because I think we have to look at the data that we're getting CPI today and the the continuous, you know, strong labor report in the U.S., labor reports and jobs market in the U.S. that we have to play in a dollar, you know, we have to buy dollar pullbacks. And basically a euro rally would allow for a dollar pullback. I'll be looking to sell euro above 108, 108, 20, something like that. But what are your thoughts about the ECB going into tomorrow, Chris? Well, I think that that article, I mean, it's just so conveniently timed when, you know, everyone was split, the market was pricing in less than 50%. And now we're pricing about a 60% probability that the ECB hike. The euro's supported to an extent on that, but it's not really gone too hard. Yeah, look, I, I, I think that the trade is, yeah, I don't want to trade over the news. I don't want to hold a position over the news. But I think the trade is to sell rallies. The question is, is you're going for 108.20, I think. I'm, I'm, I'm not as high as that. Now, the, the daily straddle is pricing 60, 60 pips. Um, you know, movement. So I'd be looking whatever the spot price is, you know, closer towards the time. Yeah, I'd be looking for a rally about 60, 70 pips and, and look to, to, to fade that move there as well. So you get that that dovish hike um, that, that gives a strong imp- impression that they're done um, and they're very much you know, waiting now for an extended period of time. And I think people will still enter that move. Obviously, we've got to keep an eye on things like QT and, and, and guidance around PEP reinvestments. And, and, and we're going to keep an eye firmly on, on Italian spreads relative to Bunds. Because um, they've been pushing out to the top end of the range now, one, nearly 180, uh, 1.8%. But yeah, for me, the trade in a nutshell is is to stay out, don't trade over the news, and look to sell strength. So you're a little bit higher than where I am. Um, but obviously, that depends. But yeah, I think 60, 70 pips is a good move there for me 
to look to fade it and leave limit orders uh, to sell can, that. So I, I just want to mention a number. Maybe you guys and gals at home can jot this number down. If you look at the euro and you look at the 200-day moving average, um, that's probably going to cap any rally that comes in around 108.35, 108.30. So if you get a real extended move to the upside, just know that's where the 200-day moving average is at. That's probably going to offer some sort of pretty close resistance on any extended move higher. So anyway, I just wanted to throw that out. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, Blake, I want to talk to you about energy. We can't go past that at the moment. I mean, we've seen you know, so much positive tailwinds for, for for all parts of the energy space. Diesel prices, this you know, uh, have been moving up. You've seen um, all these what we call refined products. You've seen gasoline moving up. You've obviously seen Brent crude, you know, taking out 90 bucks quite easily. WTI crude, you know, getting a similar sort of levels. Um, and, you know, when OPEC come out and, and, and give forecasts that we're going to see a $3 million, uh, $3 million barrel a day deficit by the end of by, by Q4, yeah, of course, the, the oil bulls are going, to, are going to take notice. And you add in the CTA lengths and, and bits and pieces playing through. And you've got a situation that, that could be a concern for the markets. Now, at the moment, you know, you're not seeing too much anxiety playing through, you know, in, in bond market volatility. There's no real hedging in, in equity markets. But we are seeing proxies of trading crude. The CAD started to play a bit of catch up. It's been a better performer. The XLE uh, as an ETF has obviously been outperforming. The energy sector is doing really well. But, you know, we're not seeing broad uh, concerns. Now, I think that will change, Blake. I think that will change if that oil price stays high for a long period of time. Now, in, in the US, you know, retail gasoline prices are, you know, have been ballooning. I was, you know, there's a bit of a two-week lag with normal gasoline. But, you know, you're seeing that, and that, that will lower you know, real consumption costs, and, and, and that, that, that poses a risk. But it poses a risk if it holds at these levels, if not a little bit higher, for a period of time. Um, and then, then the Federal Reserve may need to, to, to think about this. But at the moment, I don't think they're going to be overly concerned and, and change their policy settings based on what we're seeing in energy prices. But that may change. Go to the Beige Book, what we saw recently, where you know, inputs uh, from, 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 from companies, they're saying that you know, inputs are, are falling slower than what they're selling. Um, so you know, that obviously impacts their margins as well. So yeah, I think you can't go notice this. I mean, I've been trading crude you know, through the CAD. Uh, CAD Yen has been a good one there. Uh, and also for the XLE, which we'll talk about there. But yeah, how, how's energy going? And should, should we be concerned about this? Well, first of all, I think crude's still bullish and it's going to target into the mid 90s before, you know, I, I have any any feeling that, you know, we as we start to approach 100, just because it's 100, uh, I'm going to get a little weary of wherever we're at at that point in time. But I know that our technical targets point to the mid 90s, 95, 96 dollars. And it's going to make a, it's going to make not only the Fed but every other central bank's job more difficult. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you look at you look at energy costs. You, I, I started thinking about nat gas. Nat gas has been basing for so long, and it looks like it could break higher. Especially, you know, here we go into winter. I mean, what if uh, what if we have another you know Russia Ukraine flare up, whatever you know creates creates uh, higher prices there. I think it is going to be the thorn in central banks uh, sides moving forward, Chris, is just higher energy costs. And I think that is one of those inputs into uh, CPI and uh, inflation expectations that are going to continue to make these central banks, their job just ultimately that much more difficult. So well, the market's yeah. really looking at the market's really looking at core inflation. Um, but maybe that changes, maybe we start looking at headline inflation, because yeah, energy prices affect every single one of us. Um, yeah. You know, and 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 so therefore, you know, 
you know, when you're having a conversation with anyone, the first thing most people talk about is, oh, yeah, what, what, you, what you're paying on the Bowser and, you know, your energy costs. And so this this does affect people. So, yeah, a renewed push-up certainly in that gas and gasoline prices and all that is, is something that the Fed and other central banks will have to deal with. Um, and, again, it just reinforces that higher for longer uh, situation and, and suggests that, you know, any kind of rate cuts, you know, probably are, are, are a struggle at the moment. But what it does is it, it makes me look at trades around the consumer as well, and which we, we can talk a little bit about that later on. Well, speaking of which, uh, speaking of the consumer, actually, we have uh, uh, U.S. retail sales uh, numbers that come out tomorrow yeah. morning, uh, right, you know, right in between the ECB announcing their policy decision and their press conference. The market's going to be trading off of that data tomorrow because we're going to see how well this consumer in the United States is holding up in the face of higher energy costs. Correct. All right, Chris, um, I'm going to, since we're talking about higher energy costs, I can't get away from inflation. Uh, let's, let's talk about inflation. And, you know, the, the, the question that I have is, you know, are, are we there and, and where do we stand now? Because for, for months and months and months, uh, everybody's talking about disinflationary pressures, you know, and it was an easy call to watch inflation come down. This month, uh, you know, okay, the year-over-year number came in at 3.7%, you know, and uh, the month-over-month was 0.6% as expected here in the U.S., but but the the number that you should be thinking about is this is the second month in a row, like CPI, just the headline number, went over uh, and, and went up two months in a row since June of last year. So what we're seeing is we're seeing basically inflation uh, level off, or at least starting to, you know, I, sh- I look at it like a chart, like it's finding bids, which is silly for me to think about that. But we are, you know, we look at charts all day long. So mm. I just say it's it's actually found support at the breakout point in inflation. Let's just put it that way. Um, but the way I wanted to point that, the reason why I want to point that out is because on this show, we've talked a lot about how difficult not only the Fed's job, but other central banks' job is to get inflation wrangled and in, under control, back below 2%, back below most central banks' inflation targets. And it's that last bit of this race, of this marathon that we're running. We might be the last you know, couple miles of this marathon, but this is the hard part. This is the hard part of a very long race. And I don't believe the race is over, Chris. So where do you stand as far as inflation goes? Do you think that inflation is going to be sticky around here? Or do you think there's uh, disinflationary pressures are going to eventually ease, you know, as, as let's say, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, the jobs market um, uh, turns lower, because my view would be that inflation's not going to turn lower till the jobs market starts to show signs of weakness, which is then going to start to affect rents, housing, you know, that type of data. Yeah. I think the jobs, the jobs, the jobs prints are are absolutely essential now. Um, There's nothing like, um, yeah, people will will cut back on discretionary spending and and, and lower demand because the, the cost of living is expensive. Um, but you, when you lose your job, obviously you know you're not spending any money whatsoever. So that 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 to me is is, is a bigger issue for inflation. Um, so yeah, I think if we were to see, we are seeing a cooling of the labour market. You see that in the in the run rate in the payrolls, and and it's slowing down. It's cooling down, and and it's doing what the Fed wanted to do. Um, the question is, is can it can continue? Uh, so I think, yeah, that, that's the big one that everyone has to be watching is, is the unemployment statistics. It's a lagging indicator, but so is inflation. Um, if we see a further calling, then I think that's good. But look, I think when you're looking at PCE inflation, which of course the Fed look at very much more closely, 
um, and they've, they've changed that to set policy around that. Then the next PCE number that we're going to get is on the 29th of, of this month. Um, and yeah, we, depending on what happens with PPI in the session ahead, um, yeah, we, we get that CPI print, the core numbers, we put that with the PPI number and that gives us a good, a good sense of where that PCE number is going to be. But you know, all, all intensive purposes at the moment, you know, the, the modeling that we're looking at is, is for core PCE to run around 15, 17 basis points month for month. So it's still a pretty, pretty subdued number. I think that's what you want to be looking at. So yeah, look, I think it really comes into the nuts and bolts of this. But yeah, I think inflation's going in the right way. It's not going to be linear. It's not just going to keep going down. We are having a cooling period. And you're right. I mean, this is this is the the point now where where, where central banks have the hardest job. Getting it down is 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 it is, has been easy for them. Um, yeah, just right, whack up rates as quickly as you can. Yeah, get up real rates. Um, now, now we need to get it back down to target. It's going to be a hard one there. So I think higher for longer continues. Get get real rates continue to be high, um, and I think you, you you will get there at some stage next year. At least that's the consensus position. I don't think this energy price move at this stage is going to derail that 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 view too much. Anyway, let's go into the charts that are on mind. Let's go to that's a setup. So I talked about Kajen. Um, I'm actually quite surprised. We've got a couple of yen, a couple of yen charts in there. Um, yeah. yeah, look, the yen's the yen's a tough one, isn't it? Because you know, beginning of the week we were talking about this idea that there was a uh, an article in one of the, the the local newspapers in Japan quoting uh, an interview with um, Oida uh, talking about this idea that they, they they could have a path to um, getting out of negative interest rates, and and one suspects probably concurrently with with tweaks to YCC as well. Um, and we saw a little bit of a, a rally in in the yen, but then we just realised that you know what the, the, the conditional path from raising rates is to do with continue to be very very strong wages, and we don't get the, the the outcome, the formal outcome of the wage negotiations until April of next year, and we probably get some estimates in November. So a lot of water under the bridge before we really get um, you know clarity on whether they're going to get out of NERP, and of course yeah, this is going to be highly conditional. That said. Um, yeah, with low volatility, it comes with risk being long or short the yen. Of course, it does. Yeah, intervention risk is still very much there. Um, but look, if you look at the technicals that we can see on that chart, we've got this kind of really nice sort of triangle or the wedge pattern playing through. We've broken to the upside there. Uh, the CAD's been one of the superstars outperformers in, in, in G10 because of the correlation with crude is increasing. Um, I think there's probably some upside risks in here. I think we probably want to trade this one from the long side at the moment. Um, but yeah, we, we do realize that, that for me, crude is pretty much overbought and you know could get some volatility. So yeah, I like it to the upsides. Um, if I'm trading it, I'm doing a very, very small position. So how are you, how are you seeing that one? You know, uh, Chris, I think I have to say, great minds think alike. I, I'm looking at that as that same ascending trend line on my charts, yeah. and I think you're right. I mean, crude oil. I, you know, one of the reasons why, in my opinion, the the the, the dollar Canadian hasn't traded up towards 140, mm. uh, 138, 140, is because of the strength that we've seen in crude. And now I think that you pointed it out, you know, crude is breaking out and it's 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 well into breakout territory, even though it hit a key fib level today. It's still very bullish. It's just hanging on to gains or consolidating gains. And I think the Canadian currency is starting to starting to uh, take notice. And, um, you know, with the the yen, the weakness of the yen, you know, hey, I, I think the Canadian yen looks decent. And that. That brings me to actually my chart. So just, uh, just, my, let me just, just oh, one, yeah, one yeah, really important thing, point for me. Um, what you're doing with that trade is, is, is if you believe there's upside in crude, and we can obviously just go and trade spot crude. Um, yeah. But what you've got there is, is a big 
crude exporter that benefits from its terms of trade from, from higher crude prices, whereas Japan is a massive importer of its energy needs, one of the biggest. And therefore, you know, it, it, it does pretty poorly fiscally in, in times when crude prices is, is, is a rallying. So what you're doing tactically from an effects perspective is, is marrying up a beneficiary of higher crude against one that, that, that is, is to its detriment as well. So you can see why price is going up. The, 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 the technicals are marrying the fundamentals there. Yeah, it, they really are. Great, great chart, Chris, and I'm glad you brought it up. Um, actually, my chart's going to be very similar. This is the Aussie yen, and that's going to be my next setup or uh, my first setup. And, you know, we've been actually looking at the Aussie yen quite a bit on this show. We even had a, a, a viewer ask about it a few weeks ago, and it was looking like a, you know, descending channel. I, I kind of redrew everything to a, a, a tight triangle consolidation. Today, we're, we're peaking our head above the breakout area. Now, just in a couple hours, in less than two hours. So by the time you, you're watching this, um, you know, especially those of you that are watching it on YouTube, you know, a few hours later, the Australian employment data is going to be released. And uh, if that number is strong, we have an Aussie N that's really trying to break out here. So I think this is a good setup. If you believe that the Aussie, you know, has some has some, it could strengthen here. You look at risk appetite, Chris, I don't know what is keeping the stock market elevated, but the stock market continues to hold on. You know, we're, we're near 4,500 in the S&P, you know, and, and I don't understand why we're still up here, but we are. And, you know, as long as risk stays elevated, you got copper is still in a in a triangle and it, it's it's holding up pretty well. Hey, you know, the Aussie yen, you know, doesn't look so bad. So uh, looking at the Aussie yen, how, how are you seeing it here? Well, yeah, I mean, it's just one that, that, that just really wants to break out to the top side, to be honest. Um, yeah, I, I think, yeah, which way does it go? Does it go up or does it go down? Does it break out through the, the, the rising channel? Or, I think it breaks out to the top side. And why do I say that? Because we've got a couple of charts that I want to show you around the yuan. Now, I've been very, very bearish on the yuan because you know, exports have been so weak. They've, managed, they've, they've stepped up their manufacturing, China, that is, um, as a share of the you know, world's manufacturing, their, their goods uh, uh, you know they've really stepped that up, and they need a weak currency. They needed a weak currency because no one was buying this, their, their their goods. Um, that, that's I think that's that's changing to an extent. I think the stimulus that we've we've seen it's not the bazooka, but it's 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 going in the right direction. And I think we've seen the lows now in China data. China data is going to improve. Um, the property prices are going to improve. I think you know you, you may see some further easing playing through. Um, but I think China's as bearish as we get. I think we're going to see an improvement now, and I think we're going to see that reverberated in in, in yuan inflows. And I think you know, the China proxies are going to work quite well. We've already seen that in in LATAM. Go and have a look at the you know, the, the, the Chilean peso. That's just on it. That's ripping recently. Uh, the MEX is doing quite well. I don't think that's much partly to do with crude, but I think this is also a China play. Um, but yeah, Chile is really a big one there as well. And I think the Aussies, the other one in G10 that you want to do, it's a liquid proxy of China and have a look at what's happening in CNH because we can, we can, we can flip that now, uh, Blake, if or producer, if we mind just down to the Euro CNH, it's a good little segue into that. There we go. Now you can see it's breaking down. So, you know, the, you can look at US dollar against the CNH, the offshore yuan trade out of Hong Kong. Um, but I've just picked the, chosen the Euro CNH because we've got the ECB meeting, but we've also got that big technical break. Now, I like selling this. I think this goes down and it kind of fits into your Aussie yen trade there, Blake, because the China proxies will watch that CNH very, very closely. If the if the offshore yuan is attracting inflows and people are covering shorts and buying into that organically, then I think that the China proxies, as I say, the Aussie, the Kiwi, the CAD to an extent, but also Chile, if you want a bit, if you want a bit, if you want to go a bit spicy uh, and go a bit exotic, um, then, then I think they're going to work. So I think people, a lot of people are going to sit there and go, Chris, you're actually barking up the wrong tree and you, you haven't got your eyes on the price here. But I think that when it comes to China, um, 
I think I think we've seen the lows uh, in the data series, and I think the China proxies are going to be working here. And that CNH is really really key for me. So, what are you seeing now? I, I like Euro CNH lower. I think that's another cross that we can we can sell. Well, first of all, I think the chart looks like a pretty clean breakdown. Uh, you know, I, I I do these charts of the day that I I I, I try to do it every day, but it's usually every couple of days. And I I, I was looking at the U.S. dollar CNH and yields. Uh, and um, and I know you're talking about the euro CNH, but I was looking at the dollar CNH and yields in the very, very close correlation. Uh, we had a really key reversal in the bond market today. Yeah, yields yeah. started to come. Yeah, yields came down. Dollar dollar CNH came down. CNH, you know, rallied as a result. And I think you're right here, Chris. I mean, it looks strong. It, it's been under pressure for a long time. And it looks like it wants to, to go the other direction. And, and you're right. It's a good proxy uh, with the Aussies, a decent proxy of that, of the CNH, of China. And it looks strong. So I think the Euro CNH, now obviously you have the ECB tomorrow. That's the big fear uh, if you're trading this. But if you're looking to sell rallies in the Euro like I am, maybe the Euro CNH is a better trade than the Euro US dollar. Yeah, exactly. You know? the, the other one is um, dollar yen. When we took you, because you brought up a really good point. Yeah, I was watching the technicals on. Uh, in, in the price action that we've been seeing in, in, in the future, in U.S. Treasury futures, but also just in the sort of generic treasuries, and yeah, we did see new highs coming through in, in yield in, in twos um, after the CPI print, and then buyers stepped in, and we saw yeah yields closing lower on the day, and and yeah, that that, that suggests that, that, that there's a slight change in structure. Now, I'm not expecting a massive decline in in, in yield, um, but yeah, I think it, I think dollar yen's the one you want to look at. I've been looking to sell into 148. We didn't quite get into that point. But I, yeah, I think there's, we're in a range in dollar yen, and I think those yields are going to be very, very testament to that. And, and I, I still quite like selling it into and above 148. I think that's the trade for me there in terms of the bond market. All right. Well, um, I'm, that's going to take us to our last setup. And this is actually a viewer question from last week. And I want to urge all of you um, at, at home uh, or in your office, if you're watching this uh, live, you know, hopefully you're watching us live on, on TradingView, um, you know, Make sure that you write down in the comments below any setups that you see. And 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 Kim, uh, the Almighty, Jong Un had, uh, <laughs> had had written a question about the Aussie dollar and the Aussie dollar setup. And you know the the question I have is, you know, are we down under or is it over? And and I'm glad you brought up the Chinese uh, the the Chinese uh, topic because you know China's done massive amounts of. I say massive amounts, little amounts of stimulus, almost all across the board in different sectors, and it's kind of like a pellet shot or a, a, a you know shotgun of little pellets yeah. all over the place. But yeah. it maybe it will eventually resonate with the market. But I'm looking at the Aussie. I look at it as a bear flag pattern or a bearish wedge. Either one fits. But we do have Aussie data tonight, and I will say this: above sixty-five point six five two zero, Aussie technical dynamics change. There's a long-term trend line that we're currently trading on that goes all the way from the COVID lockdown lows that the Aussie traded to all the way to where we're currently at. And we're flirting with that level. So I think this is a great setup because it could be really bearish. You could have the argument that, shoot, the Aussie hasn't responded at all to Chinese you know, stimulus and it's about ready to break down. Flip side is maybe it's a great buying opportunity. That's why it's a great setup. But I believe above 65 0.6520. It turns bullish. Sorry, didn't mean to take up all your time. Uh, Chris, what do you think about the Aussie here? Um, it's difficult because I'm still, I'm still not giving up on the US dollar. Um, but look, well, yeah, look at the price action on the daily, and then we can work into the sort of hourly charts and, 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 and yeah. sort of the But like, you know, we, we had a really big move up, um, you know, last week on the, on the 11th. Um, 
and you know, got up into what, what 64.56 or so. Sort of consolidation, and, and yesterday we pulled back below 64. The buyers have stepped straight in. So there is good demand to buy Aussies on pullbacks. And I think yeah, below 64 seems to be a level at the moment that the market's quite happy to sort of average into. Um, but, you know, I like, I like, I don't, I'm not a massive fan of buying the dip. I like buying momentum after the dip. And, uh, you know, so we, we can see pictorially charting that there is, there is demand for the Aussie. But, yeah, I think we need a bit of work. And I'd like to see a little bit of strength playing through. And, you know, actually a break of 64.50. And I think you'd probably go for long for a bit of a, a momentum. I don't want to call it a scout, but just, you know, something, you know, 50 pips or so. So, yeah, I think there's, there's, there's probably upside risks uh, in, in, in this. But we'll have to see what happens with the ECB. I, I do think that... Um, you know, if they if they do go do this dovish um, hike, um, and we do see duration going bid, you know, people looking to buy buns and and you know, you will see that follow through into treasuries as well. So you will see treasuries go bid just because of what's you know, there's guilt of association, and therefore you're going to see, um, you may see Aussie dollar moving up a little bit higher. Be interesting to see if there's any kind of life into equity markets if we saw duration going bid. So yeah, it's all interconnected. It's all one trade, isn't it? So um, we're, we're also very closely. Anyway, let's go to play of the day and let's see what's making news there. Yeah, so I want to just go into um, yeah, just the usual. Well, I, I do this quite a bit. Uh, long short strategies. I just, I love. You know, we can we can talk about um, momentum strategies, minimum version strategies. But one I do like is is trading big market formatics from a tactical perspective. And one that we've been you know, we've been pushing has been uh, going along the XLE, which is the S and P um, Energy ETF, and short the um, XRT which is the retailer's ETF. Now, obviously, the, the logic behind this, this is that crude price is going up. We've seen those, those massive deficit projections from OPEC and, and the International Energy Agency. Whilst they did say we could see some volatility in the price, are also expecting a big deficit this year um, because of what we've been seeing from supply you know, with, with demand as well. And I think China's going to improve, and I think that will just increase the demand side. Um, but yeah, what's going to be the, the negative offset against a higher crude price? It's going to be retailers. It's going to be real consumption that falls. So what we're doing is we're going long um, the XLE and we're going to go short the XRT, which is the, the ETF, and just marry them up and, and just look to trade that, 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 um, that outperformance of, of energy. Now, I don't want to do it now because I think it's just a little bit too hot, uh, but I'll be looking to buy a bit of weakness and, and just see you know, how it stabilizes into those levels. But yeah, for, for people who are looking to trade tactical, you obviously can go in and buy buy spot crude, and that's just a really easy way to do it. The other way, of course, is, is to think tactically and say, well, if crude's going up, what's going to be the negative consequence of crude going up? And for me, that, that's going to be consumption, you know, a burden on the households, and, and retailers are going to cop it as a result. And you can see that that, that, that ratio analysis where I've divided the two. Uh, XLE is the, is the numerator. Uh, yeah, that's going up, and that shows outperformance. So I expect continued outperformance, and I think this is a longer-term positional trade that I think will work over time as well. And I and I want to say that these these plays that you bring, Chris, are like absolute golden. And here here's the thing, you know, if you're trading with Pepperstone, you get to you get to you get to trade a lot of these CFDs, and it's very easy to do, and it's a little bit more difficult for a lot of other traders. But as a Pepperstone trader, that's uh, these are these are these are golden opportunities that Chris brings yeah. you uh, all the time. So awesome. Hey, hey, um, my uh, my play of the day is going to be the Euro Swiss, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna first of all. Give a shout out to uh, to our, our uh, UK trade off. If you guys aren't listening to that show, you should. Um, with my colleague Ryan Littlestone from Forex Analytics, he's with uh, he's with uh, Mr. Michael Brown uh, from Trader X. I'm going to leverage a little bit of his play. He was looking at the dollar Swiss. I'm going to take it one step further. I'm going to go with the Euro Swiss because 
you know, we're breaking out of this wedge and we're breaking to the upside. Now, I, I love the idea that you got the Swiss National Bank that's got, you know, they, they, they've got their, their meeting coming up and uh, inflation is well below 2% for, for Switzerland. And so that Swiss could continue to weaken moving forward. You got the Swiss National Bank next week. You got the ECB tomorrow. If we get a little boost and we get a little bit of hawkish, a hawkish hold or maybe even a, a rate hike that is more of a, a dovish hike, doesn't matter. The euro should trade a little higher. But notice if we get above the 50 DMA, we get above the 50 DMA, we get above the uh, 0.9615 level, 0.9615 level. I'm going to be looking at it as a bullish momentum squeeze, maybe back above 96.50, maybe even closer to 97 cents. But I love the fact that it's broken higher. It's it's uh, it, risk is very well defined. You can see those lows across the bottom. And um, there's my uh, play of the day. And Good I'm not long right now. I'm not long and I'm looking to get long. So yeah, good stuff. All right. Thank you very much, everyone, for watching. Uh, obviously, if you if you could smash the like button, we'd really appreciate that. If you want to leave a comment about any of the views you've seen today, uh, we'd, we'd love to, to, to get back in on the mix. If you've got a setup for Blake and myself, uh, please feel free to uh, to chuck that one out there or if it's something that you that you like the look of and, and just want to sort of push it out to the community, then then go nuts as well. Anyway, we'll be back more for next week uh, for the trade-off. <laughs>